0: Church of the Nazarene and we're glad you're here and joining us this morning um, however you're able to reach us so welcome Uh, a couple of things that I wanted to go through as updates for this morning and announcements Um, the first one being for those of you that are regular attenders this should look familiar it's our website Um, and over here on the left hand side is that donate button don't forget to, as you're doing your tithing um, you can continue to do that online and um, with distancing through the donate button on the website um, a couple other things that we have as announcements, so Wednesday nights, uh, 7 p.m., we're Facebook Live for prayer meetings, so welcome, and, and feel free to join us on that. Uh, we don't keep that up on the site. we delete deleted afterwards, so you can put your prayer requests on there, and feel free to share what you really need to ask about, and uh, we'll be there for you, so uh, make sure you join us for that. In addition, uh, Facebook Live, and a lot of other ways, we're doing small groups uh, digitally. So um, if you have any interest in small groups and you're not part of one currently, uh, please reach out to the church and we'll get you connected with a small group. All right with that, um, what we have next, um, as Aaron joins us, he'll be putting uh, his notes on UVersion app. So for those of you that aren't familiar with it, that's the icon for the UVersion app. Um, once you get it downloaded go to more events and find River Rock Church of the Nazarene and Aaron's notes will be right there you can follow along and join them again welcome this morning and I'm going to turn it over to Aaron thanks everybody
1: good morning church family we're so glad you've joined us this morning we're just going to encourage you to just worship with us as we declare the victory that comes in Jesus aren't you glad that we know how the story ends we know how the battles end because it always wins We just take hope in that today. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that we're going to see a victory, God. Even in our present circumstances, God. Lord, whether the pandemic has got us stressed out or worried. Whether there's another situation going on in our life, God. That worries us, God. We just cast our cares on you today, God. And we just declare that we're going to see victory, God. Because of who you are. Because we know the end of every story, God. hope that comes in your presence, God. We just ask that you would just invade our homes today, God, with your with your spirit, with your truth, that your spirit would rest heavily in our households today, God, that our eyes would be turned towards you, our vision would be enlarged towards you, that we would see the world and our surroundings and our circumstances through your eyes, God. And that as we experience your spirit at work in our lives, and we experience the truth of your word, God, and we experience even the message that we're going to hear today, God, we pray that we would be transformed, that we would be different, that we would be changed, God. To allow others around us to have an encounter with you through your spirit at work in us, God. We just trust you, God. We trust you in this situation right now that this country is facing, this world is facing. We trust you in every situation that came before, and every situation that is going to come after, God. We thank you that you are victorious, that the battle has already been won, God, that you hold the keys to the kingdom, you hold the keys to victory, God. We just trust you, God, in every circumstance, in every situation, in every diagnosis, in every problem, in every, every joy, and every sorrow, God, we just trust you, God, and we just lift you up and we just magnify the name of Jesus today, God. We just magnify the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, God. And Lord, we just thank you for your presence and your love, God. And we thank you for every person that has joined us today to worship That Every person that is part of River Rock, Nazarene, and around this, this globe, and this city, and this state, and this country, God. We thank you for every one of them. And we just pray that your presence rests heavily today, God. We just trust you that as we are gathered together,
2: your spirit rests with us. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
3: he got into a boat and sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, consider the sower who went out to sow. He was sowing some seed fell along the path and the bird came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky ground where there wasn't much soil and they sprung up quick since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, they were scorched, and since they had no roots, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came and choked them. Still others fell on good ground and produced a crop, some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Anyone who has ears should listen. Then we're going to go to Matthew 18. You then listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away that was, was sown um, in his heart. This is the one who sows along the path. So if we take even the smallest of seed, these are onion seeds, they're tiny and if I go and put them on the on the cement, the birdies are going to come out and, and eat them because it's bird food. And then there's no more, they're gone. So when we don't have the word of the Lord deep in our heart, evil one snatches it away as if a bird just ate bird food off of the hard ground, okay? Alrighty. And the one so in the rocky ground, this one, is who heard the word and immediately received it with joy. Yet he has no roots in himself, but is short-lived. When pressure or persecution comes because of the word immediately, he stumbles. So we're gonna even take a bigger one. We're gonna take a corn, a bigger corn seed. Do you guys see that, a big corn? Okay. And if I planted it in there, what's gonna happen? The sun's gonna come down, there's not there's no dirt in here. There's no dirt. So what's gonna happen is it's gonna grow real quick, real fast, and then the sun's gonna come out and be super bright and it's gonna kill it because it's gonna be there's no water to drink and it'll be thirsty. So it'll grow, but it won't grow big and strong the way that God has us grow. Now, the one sown among the thorns, this one is who hears the word, but the worry of the age and the seduction of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So it doesn't matter what big or little seed, if we plant those and we plant it in a thorn bush, or you know those pricklies when you're walking in the grass, and you step on it, and hurt your foot? Well, if you plant a seed in that, it's not going to grow. It's going to get choked out because that other plant is stronger because we, we aren't fully ground in our faith the way that God has called us to be ground in our faith. But the one sows on the good ground, this one who hears the end understands the word, who does bear fruit and yields some hundred and sixty and thirty times what was sown. So if I plant these little itty bitty onion seeds, do you guys see how tiny those are? Do you see how tiny these are? I plant these in good, good, rich soil. And I take care of it the way that God has called us to take care of it. So I water it. And I pick all the weeds that are bugging it. I do what I am to ask God and I'm obedient. My, My fruit will grow. And my onions will grow. Or my trees will grow big and strong. And they'll grow bigger than the seed. Could you imagine this little lilac? grew from a tiny little lilac seed that's crazy but it grew because we were taking care of it so I am gonna leave you with our final Bible verse and it is Corinthians 3 7 so then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth God is the one who gives us the growth God is the one who grows us and waters us, but we have to be willing to plant ourselves in good soil, having good friends and being around good people. Well, thank you so much for joining us and Pastor Aaron will join us here shortly. And Thank you for hanging out.
4: Hey, good morning. Today we're starting a brand new series called Nehemiah. And what I'm hoping, what I'm praying for is that this really reaches out to you and really speaks to you, especially those of you who are looking and saying, you know what, there's more to this life. There's more to this, and I have a bigger purpose than just the everyday run of the mill, do life, wake up in the morning, go to bed at night, do the same thing day out in between, especially during this time we're in right now with the coronavirus and shelter in place. I've had people say to me over and over, man, I just don't even realize what day it is a lot of the times. I saw that meme that said uh, today is this day, tomorrow is that day, and we just get so much into a routine that we forget even what's happening. But the bottom line is is this. We were born for a purpose, and you have a purpose, and that's what I'm hoping we speak to over the next four weeks. What is the bigger purpose we actually have? We're going to look in nehemiah and it's a book in the old testament if you don't know he's from the old testament and he actually is talking to us he's actually telling us from an ordinary man's point of view yes he was trusted by the king but an ordinary man's point of view wasn't a pastor wasn't a teacher he was a cupbearer he was a cupbearer to King Ar- Artaxas. He was a cupbearer. And all he did, day in, day out, was be a cupbearer. And he decided one day, when some things were stirring in his heart, he decided one day that he could not just sit by and watch things happen. He decided he couldn't just sit by and do nothing. And in chapter Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18, Scripture says, They began the good work. They began the good work. Somebody say good work. Okay, I know you said it even though I'm not with you. But they began the good work. And as we kick it off this AM, we're gonna look at the calling this message, or we're gonna start by calling this particular message. We're gonna start by calling this particular message when you can't handle it anymore when you can't handle it anymore. In other words, when things build up so much in you that you can't handle it anymore. That's what we're going with today. That's what we're starting and we're going to spend the next few weeks on it at this point. Because you know what, the person we're talking about the next few weeks, is captivating, he's motivating what he did, what he did, and how he came around to do it. Man, he really gets you going and he can almost even inspire you he wasn't a warrior he wasn't a king he wasn't a prophet he was an ordinary man who was a cupbearer for the king he was an ordinary man who was a cupbearer for the king now you might be saying what's a cupbearer who's a cupbearer what's a cupbearer do well he's a cupbearer for the king of persia and now you can say You can question that, and you can wonder what that is. But let me tell you what a cupbearer was. A cupbearer was a person who stayed with the king at all times. Where the king went, he went. Because of that, he heard some conversations the king would say. Like if the king would say to one of his daughters, don't tell my other daughter, but you're my favorite. He would have to keep that a secret. He would have to be trusted enough. That anything he said stayed there. That what the king said did not get told to anybody else. We can look at today's day and age, and we can look at governments trying to overthrow other governments, and we look at um, um, the, the way wars have happened and the way disputes have happened. The king might even talk about those things, and the cupbearer would hear it. But he was trusted enough that he would not say anything. He had that kind of tremendous access to the king. So much so, and here's what the cupbearer did, here's why they were called the cupbearer. So much so that this guy, every time the king had a drink brought to him, he took a drink first. He would take a drink first. That way, if the drink was poisoned, the cupbearer would fall over dead, not the king imagine that what a great life to live what a great responsibility you have you were the one that when things went bad things went bad and you were kind of out of a job because you were dead you were the one who took the testing for the king you were that guy now again we have to remember by status he was an ordinary person he was a servant attending to the king nehemiah was sitting there as a servant attending to the king and what was consider, considered ordinary today, then he was considered trustworthy. Then he was considered one of the ones who got full access to the king. Well, one day Nehemiah was having an ordinary day. And during that day, Nehemiah, he sat there and he just had a problem going on inside him. He couldn't, um, he, he just couldn't get over something that he had heard. Because he'd heard a conversation from someone that just flat out moved him. And in Nehemiah chapter one, starting at verse two, it says, that's Nehemiah chapter one, starting at verse two, I wanna remind you, these notes are all on you version. But in Nehemiah chapter one, starting at verse two, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem." Now, let me put this in perspective here. Here you have a conversation that's happening between Nehemiah and his brother. And he says, tell me about the people. Tell me about our homeland. Now, the reason Nehemiah was asking, was because about 140 years earlier, and I believe it was 586 BC, the Babylonians came and overtook the Jewish people. They destroyed the walls that protected everything. They destroyed the temple. They took out the town. They destroyed everything, almost to the point that we can't even explain what actually happened, but they took it out and they destroyed it. And now they're trying to rebuild everything. They're trying to get everything back up the way it was. The Jewish people felt demoralized, their life was over, but they tried to rebuild that city. 50,000 Jews or so moved back to Jerusalem to rebuild. And they came to a standstill to where they couldn't get anything moving. They couldn't get the building going. They just, they couldn't get it done. And in verse 3, it comes, he says, They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire in other words they have no protection it's they're all gone the protection is gone the walls are gone everything's gone the temple's gone we need everything to be built back up but there's no plan there's no plan for protection there's no plan there's no economy there's no nothing they're flat they're they have no idea what they're going to do. And here you have Nehemiah who says, I can't take this anymore. I can't take this anymore. I want to look at three things that Nehemiah did that we can learn from when we just can't take it anymore. Because there are plenty of things that come against us that really get laid on our heart, that really come to and cut us to our poor to our core, that really come and really grab a hold of us. And we need to be willing to do the good work when we just can't take it anymore. I'm going to give you three three thoughts on how to begin that good work. Look at verse 4. When I heard these things, this is Nehemiah, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. The first thing we're going to do, the first thing we need to do is sit down and have a good cry. Now, I know that, man, it's, it's tough because we say, real men don't cry. Well, then I'm not a real man and neither are you. Because there are things that pierce our heart. Something happens to our kids. Something happens to our spouse. Something happens to our parents, people we're close to. They pierce us. And we just become broken. When something is coming upon you and it's breaking your heart, You sit down and you have a good cry. Nehemiah said, when I heard these things, when I heard about the devastations, when I heard about the hopelessness of my people, he says, I sat down and wept. It crushed him. Here's what you need to remember. The interesting thing is that Nehemiah wasn't with them. He was a thousand miles away. He was hearing about what was happening and he just couldn't take it anymore. His homeland was all crushed because he heard about it. Now, I think there's times that things come and they, they touch us and they pierce us and, and there's also times we hear things and we're so caught up in our everyday life. That we just let him go. Think of Nehemiah here, thousand miles away. He was living a pretty good life. He was, he was um, the cupbearer for the king. He was trustworthy. He was hearing things. He was doing things. He was able to grab onto things and just continue to go on with life. But here's the thing. When he heard this, it crushed him. How many times do we, just move on with life? How many times do we hear things that really bother us or that should really bother us? I mean, you're sitting on your couch at home, you're up in the hills hunting, the radio's on as you're going from one hunt spot to the next, you're going fishing, you're going ladies, you're doing, maybe it's shopping, maybe it's crafting, ladies, maybe you're hunting, maybe you're doing, whatever it is, Whatever we're doing, we get so comfortable with our life that something pops up on our phone and it tells us, hey, this is what's happening. And we don't even pay attention to it because it's not that big a deal. And life's just happening and we're going. Nehemiah had the opportunity to do that. Nehemiah was living the good life. Nehemiah. Was, was living the life that everybody wanted to. In today's day and age, he was watching TV on his 4K TV. He was probably running around, if he was a younger person, running around taking selfies and posting them on Facebook and Instagram and everything else. He was living the good life, but some pierced his heart. He did not ignore it. He paid attention to what was happening, and it came and he sat down and he wept. He had a choice whether to acknowledge the plight of his own people or to do something about it. And he sat down and he went. I would ask you, what breaks your heart? What really truly breaks your heart? What really truly moves you in the direction what really, truly makes you stop in your tracks. You may not say anything, you may not let anybody else know, but what really, truly breaks your heart and stops you in your tracks. Maybe it's the plight of all the hurting children in the world. Maybe it's it's seeing all the homeless people. Maybe it's, homeless people in the winter when you don't know where they're sleeping maybe it's maybe it's all the people that are having a tough time in their marriage maybe it's financial maybe it's fill in the blank what is it that really stirs in you i can tell you years ago when i was a youth intern i went on a choir mission trip no, they did not allow me to sing. I was one of the leaders. I got to stand in the back and move stuff around. However, I was on this and we had about 50 teams on the trip with us. And I remember the first night we were there, one of the 13-year-old, 13 year old, 13, 14 year old girls came up to me and said, "Aaron, can I talk to you? I said, sure. And I stepped aside and she looked at me and she said, my stepbrother molested me the night before we came. I was young. I didn't really know what to do. I went directly and got the head youth pastor at the time that I was working under. We sat down, I told him what was going on. We sat down and talked with her. We worked through the situation, did everything we needed to do, and some. But it was that moment that I realized, this is why I do what I do. This is what we do. Because my heart just ripped out for that girl in her circumstance. Last September, when I went in the hospital with my heart problems, and I came out, Stephanie said to me, she was working at the middle school at the time. She said to me, I know what I want to do. I said, what do you want to do? She said, I want to quit the school. And I want to work in a doctor's office or the hospital. I don't know how. It may just be the front desk, whatever, but I wanna help people in that way, the way people helped us. What burns your heart? What rips at you? What really breaks your heart? What, if you let it in, will crush you? Maybe it's time we stop ignoring it, and maybe it's time we do step one and just sit down Maybe we just sit down and let it sink in to us. The second thing you do, you're gonna kneel down to pray. Look at this, the rest of verse four. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Verse five, then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Nehemiah didn't just sit there and cry and say, okay, now we're done. He went farther and he leaned in and he knelt down and he prayed to God. He said, it's time to pray. I hear people all the time say this. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. I hear people all the time say this. I can't do anything but pray, so I'll just pray. I'll just pray? Do we realize what that's saying? Because sometimes I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't. When I say, I'll just pray for you, what I'm saying is, I guess I'll go ahead and talk to the creator of the universe who knows all, who does all, who is all, who can be all, who, the all-knowing, all-powerful, almighty God. I'll just talk to him. Is that a jest? It's huge. Being able to kneel down and pray. Being able to lean in. Being able to say, I want to do what you want me to do. I am able to do what you want me to do. With you and me, it's going to happen. With you and me, it's going to be accomplished. With you and me, God, we're an unstoppable team. Because anybody in God is. And He will work through it. And He will open the doors. And He will allow you. To be able to do things you've never thought were possible nehemiah knelt down and he prayed nehemiah knelt down and he said i'll read it again he said "O lord god of heaven the great and awesome god who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands let your ear be attentive, and your eyes open to, or your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night. Who Nehemiah goes on to, to, um, in this prayer he goes on to continue to to confess his sins and to, to, um, we have acted very wickedly towards you. He continues to talk to God about everything he's done and he continues to confess and continues to say I need you continues to lean in now the, the thing I want you to understand is this is one of the first prayers that we read in Nehemiah in fact it's the first prayer we read in Nehemiah and there's we know of 12 throughout the book of nehemiah but that means nehemiah turned to god so many times that we don't even know about he was leaning in to pray he wasn't just doing it this one time what i love about it is you're going to see in the upcoming weeks is that nehemiah turned out to be doing things that all of us as leaders today should be doing even though nehemiah was an ordinary man even though Nehemiah was only a cupbearer. Remember, he wasn't a king, he wasn't a prophet, or excuse me, he wasn't a king, he wasn't, he was a servant, is what he was. He was a servant. And Nehemiah led by praying. That was the second thing he did. He leaned in and he prayed. He said, I can't take it anymore. And I want you, God, to come around and to show me what I need to be doing in verse 11. He says, Oh, Lord, let your ear be attended to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We know, we know that Nehemiah, when his heart was broke, he sat down he went we then know that he knelt down and he prayed and in verse 11 he asked for success what is Nehemiah to do after that what is Nehemiah to do after he kneels down and prays well now it's time to stand up and act now it's time to stand up and act and go what do you do What do you do after you sit down and cry and after you kneel down to pray? You stand up and act. We also know that when he knelt down to pray, if we look at this closely, we see in chapter two, verse one, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, in the month of Nisan, that is four months after four months after he started praying he continued to pray he continued to lean in and then he stood up and acted then he stood up and he went then he stood up and he said okay I can do this he stood up and he said let's go in chapter two verse four Uh uh-oh where'd it go The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. He went to the king and he said, let me go do this. He went to the king and he said, let me go so I can rebuild let me go so I can make this happen. He went to the king and the king says to him, the king looked at him and he said, what is it you want? And it says, then I prayed to God, that wasn't a a long prayer. That was a quick short, God help me out right here right now. Give me give me what you want me to say right here right now. And he went on to say, I just read it, but I'll read it again. He went on to say, And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my fathers are buried, so that I can rebuild it. So that I can do what you know I need to do. So that I can do what you have called me to do. What you have given me to do. What you have placed on my heart to do. Because Father, I can't take it anymore. Because Father, I can't do this anymore. Because Father, this is just Too much for me to look at day in day out and figure out what I need to do father it breaks my heart every time I see this it breaks my heart every time this is put in front of me father when I look at all these people who are stuck in their house who can't get out when I look at people who can't seem to get out of their own way father they break my heart Father, when I look at situations, when I think of unborn babies that are, that are not making it, Father, when I think of, of, of the single mothers, Father, when I think of fill in the blank, what breaks your heart? What is it that is so hurting you? What is it that you don't even like to think about because it hurts so much? children is it the elderly is it the less fortunate is it the fortune what is it that breaks your heart what is it that you look at and say it hurts so much and I can't take it anymore. What is it that God is asking you to do? What is it that God is asking you to step up, have a good cry about, kneel down to pray about even for four months? And then stand up and act on it. What is it that God wants you Stand up and get moving on. You know, there are many, many, many different examples I could give of standing up and acting, standing up and get going. But I have a good friend who, when he was a young youth pastor, He got hired by this church. And this church lived in what was called, lived, was was built, was whatever, the surrounding areas was called Bellany flats. And he knew that going in, but they asked him, as he was graduating from college, we want you to come be our youth pastor. We don't have students. We don't have a youth group. But we want you to come build one. And fell in the flats. Well, my buddy, he went because as he prayed, as he looked, it broke his heart to see all these people who do not know who Christ is. Wouldn't you know it? Not only did they build a youth group, but students came to know who Christ was. Oh, they had their fair share of problems. They ran up against people stealing. They ran up against all this stuff happening around the area, things getting broken, whatnot. They ran into all that. But when he looked at it, what broke his heart were students who did not know who Christ was. And he went to a place called Felony Flats. Not only built a youth. Group, that's a session. You want souls for Christ. I want to ask you what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart that you can't take it anymore? And you say, it's time that I do some good work for him. Father, I thank you today. I pray that you will be with us today father as we continue on over the next few weeks father i pray that you will show us what you want us to do father i pray that you will break our hearts help us each to take time to sit down just like nehemiah did nehemiah was in the comfortable stage of life nehemiah could have done anything he wanted he could have ignored everything that was happening he he had made it To the point that he was trusted dearly by the king and he could have just stayed there and not changed but some broke his heart father help us to step back and to realize what that is what you're giving us that breaks our heart and we can't take it anymore and help us to do the good work father help us to stand up and act help us to sit down and cry Father, help us to kneel down and pray and help us to stand up and act. Father, we thank you. We love you. Work in each one of us. Continue to guide and direct us. We love you, Father. In thy name we pray. Amen. Hey, have a great week. We'll be back on Wednesday night with prayer night live at seven o'clock looking forward to seeing you all this next week as we dive into nehemiah again and continue
2: to look at the good works of nehemiah have a great day